Traders Point, how are we doing? Hey, so good to be with you, everyone at the campuses, everyone watching online. Welcome, welcome, uh, either back for the or back or back for the first time. Um, however, that didn't sound as good as it did in my mind. Uh, but for everyone, we're in our series, recalibrate, right? Recalibrate. And the picture we've been using for this series is basically saying, hey, we want to get aligned. We want to be recalibrated. And one of the pictures we've used is we've said, hey, we all kind of have an internal compass within us. And I think the older we got, we thought maybe the easier it would become to kind of read that compass within us. But a lot of times it feels like that bad boy's just spinning. And it's kind of hard to know where we should go, what we should say, what we should invest in. So what we've said in this series is, hey, we want to recalibrate to what God says. And the way we've said that is, hey, we want to go after true north. And true north is simply following Jesus in every area of our lives. And over the past few weeks, we've been studying through the book of Romans to do just that. We've covered chapters one through seven. You guys loving this Roman series? Everyone at the campuses online, it's been unbelievable. And today we're going to be in Romans chapter 8. If you have a Bible or a device, you can go ahead and flip and get there. Um, and Romans 8, for those of you that don't know, is a really big chapter. There's so much in there. And as I was studying this week, I wanted to kind of give us a framework that as we walk through this chapter for all of us, okay? So there's kind of big three themes that we're going to work through in our time together. And here they are. If you're taking notes in your Romans journal, it's this idea of what does the Holy Spirit give us? The Holy Spirit, what, what is his kind of role? And the Holy Spirit does so much in our lives that this is not gonna be an exhaustive list, not by a long shot. But these are just three big things that we see that the Holy Spirit does in all believers' lives. The Holy Spirit gives us a position that cannot be removed, a purpose that cannot be ruined, and a power that cannot be rivaled. Come on, a position, a purpose, a power. These are some of the things that we're gonna be working through today that the Holy Spirit gives us as followers of Jesus. But before we can get to all of these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, we have to make sure that we handle something first. We have to make sure something's true of us and that we're living like it's true as well. And that's what Paul kicks off in Romans chapter eight, verse one. And it's big. It says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. We're going to celebrate that one. We're going to run it back. <laughs> for those of you that know better. So there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Yes. Hey, you're going to catch up with me. We're going to get there together. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Come on, oh yeah. See, now we're getting it. It's so good. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over, over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this 
so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Amen. Yes. That first line is kind of like the hinging point for all of this. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, condemnation is a legal term. And it really comes up when uh, one party is in debt to either an amount or, or uh, they broke the law. Now they have to go underneath of what this condemnation is. And for us, as sinners, the condemnation that we suffered was eternal death. Complete separation from God. We were, that, that was our sentence. That was our spot. Sin placed a debt that we could not pay, but thank God that Jesus came and paid it for us. Here's what 2 Corinthians, this is the way the 2 Corinthians summarizes this. It says, for God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with Christ. You see, the way that we could have lived to get no condemnation was meant that we had to live a perfect life, to be sinless. And I don't know if you've ever met you, but I've met me. And that wasn't going well for us. But God stepped in and intervened. And he, even though he knew no sin, he became sin on our behalf. And our God went to a cross and nailed sin there. That Jesus died. And here's what that means. That no longer does sin condemn us. God condemned sin. God put an end to sin. God paid the penalty. God did it all. It's gone. The problem is not that it wasn't dealt with, not that it wasn't completely removed, not that Jesus wasn't telling the truth when he said it is finished. The problem is a lot of times, even when we believe in Jesus, we forget this. We fall victim to this mentality of living like condemnation is a real thing for us. And we sit underneath the guilt and the worry and the anxiety, wondering if we'll measure up, wondering if God is for us or if he's gonna be there for us. What Romans shows us over and over again is that God is for you. There is no condemnation, even when you feel like it, even when your feelings are yelling at you and it sounds so right, it's not. I love the way 1 John puts it, chapter 3. It says, even if we feel guilty, God is greater than our feelings and he knows everything. Amen. If you're taking notes, you're looking for something to write in the chat, it's that right there. God is greater than our feelings. If you need something to hold on to this week when you wake up and you're not looking so pretty, when you wake up and you're having a rough day, when you're facing opposition and you just feel like you are not enough, know this, God is greater than our feelings. Amen. That when we are worried about coming to him, worried about what he's gonna say or how he's going to interact with us, we can know without a shadow of a doubt what he's going to do. Because the kindness and the forgiveness that we're asking for, he's already given it. He's already paid the penalty for the sin. So he is not going to punish us for that again. That our God is for us. That he does not condemn us, but a role of the Holy Spirit is actually to convict us. 
to convict us of when we are not living within that position, that purpose, and that power that he has laid before us. Convicts us that there is something more, so much more, that he has for us. And we're going to skip just a few verses here um, because there's a little bit of an overlap between chapter 7 and chapter 8. And our lead pastor, Aaron Brockett, did an incredible job preaching through chapter 7 last week. Am I right? Go back if you missed. You want to check that out. It's all about the battle of the mind and what we can do there. But we're going we're gonna to skip down to verse 11. All right, verse 11. And take a look at that. The good news, the, the hits just keep on coming. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same spirit living within you. Therefore, here's the action. Because that's true, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by, it, by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Come on. This is... Incredible. I hope all the campuses are keeping up with the clapping that we got going on over here because it's a beautiful thing. This is the way Sundays should be. The amazing things aren't what I'm saying. The amazing things are what I'm reading. Come on. And I worked all week on it. So we are free. No condemnation. Sin has been dealt with. The penalty has been dealt with. We've been taken off of death row and given life. He then takes it a step further and says that, hey, You've not only been freed, you now, by the power of the Spirit of God within you, you have no obligation to do what it tells you to do. You have no obligation to live like you once lived. You have no obligation to trust those fears because you have something so much more to live for. You have the Spirit of God who is giving you something very specific. And that brings us to the first point. If you're taking those notes, here's where that next heading comes. Because of what God is doing, the Holy Spirit gives us a position that cannot be removed. Look at this. For we all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. So you see that it doesn't just end with freedom at the cross. No. We are more than free. We are family. You see, attached to our freedom papers were actually adoption papers. They were not actually pardoned from our sin, but we are also welcomed into the family of God. See, what Paul's talking about here is actually a process that went on in Roman society where a wealthy man would look for a son to adopt because he didn't have anyone to pass everything that he had worked for down to. So what he would do is he would find someone and he would adopt them. And here's what that meant. When he adopted them as his own, he completely took care of the debt that he owed. Whatever was in his name before, the slate had been wiped clean. He makes sure that it's all dealt with. And then he stepped in and not only into the family, he actually became the heir. The heir to all that the father had. All that the son had to do was to honor the father. That's what he would spend his life doing. And what Paul says here, exactly in the same way, 
you have been adopted. You have been brought into the family of God. Here it is. God is our father. God is not just our God. God is not just our savior. God is our father. And that's, that's really important to look at because look at what happens next. Now, because of this, we call him Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. I love this part right here. Now we call him Abba, Father. We get to call God Father. And when I read those words together like that of Abba, Father, it made me think of when Jesus used these exact words in Mark. This is when he's out spending the whole night, he's praying, he's about to be taken in, he's about to be crucified. And look at his prayers, look at, look at how he talks. Abba, Father, he cried out. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. This part hit me pretty hard this week of, of this idea of not just like whispering the name Father, but when Jesus used it, he was crying out, Abba, Father, because he was in a really tough spot. He was hurting. And he says, God, if you can take this, I know you can, but if this is what you want me to do, I'll go through with it. And this it reminded me of, you know, my kids. And maybe you, you have kids and, and you know what they're like, especially in the middle of the night. That's usually when they cry out. When they're gonna cry out, mom or dad, it's in the middle of the night. It's when they've been overcome by either the darkness, by either the monster that's in the closet or under the bed, by the thunderstorm, the lightning that's happening outside. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not at my best at two in the morning. The older I get, that's not my, that's not my window. And how many times over the past decade I've gotten up in the middle of the night, almost as many as my wife. <laughs> it's not close. When it's not a competition, but she's definitely winning. But to get up in the middle of the night and to go in there, you know what I mean? Like you're half asleep, you're stumbling through the dark and you get to them and they're talking about a monster. They're talking about the lightning. And I wasn't at my best. And I just, you know, you just try to get them back to bed and it's okay, it's okay. And I think what God was revealing to me this week, what he slowed me down when I was studying this was like, think about this from your kid's perspective that your child was in darkness, that your child was facing something that they couldn't even comprehend fully. They were terrified out of their minds and they really believed that there was a monster. They really believed that the storms outside were about to come in and their best move, their first move and only move was to cry out, dad. They really believe you can kill monsters. They really believe you can stop storms. God is saying, just like that, just like a child calls out for dad, call out to me because unlike you, I really can destroy monsters. Unlike you, I really can deal with the stuff that's in the closet. Unlike you, I really can stop the storms and bring peace to everything. That we have a good father, that we get to think about him in the same way. And, and I was convicted of this. So, 
So I want to convict you of it. Um, it's usually the way it goes. And here's the challenge for all of us. You're taking notes to, to make a note of this. This week, in your prayers, exchange the name God for Father. I don't know about you, but a lot of times I find myself praying God. I find myself praying Jesus. But I miss Father. This week, change it and, and start your prayers with Father. That's the way Jesus does it. There has to be something to it because not only did Jesus cry out and in his moment of need calls him father, but you remember when his followers came to him and asked like, hey, can you teach us how to pray? What does that look like? And he just kind of gives them this template right off top. And you remember how he says it, what he says? Our father. So there has to be something to it. That Jesus uses it, he instructs us to use it. I think it would grow us in our relationship, our intimacy with God, if we would refer to him as father, as he's asking us to. Because you see, this universe is not operated by fate. There's just not some power pulling strings behind the curtain. Our universe is operated by a good father, by the hands of a father that is working all things together for our good. He doesn't want us to just think of him as God, but as Father, because there's some things that you will only ask a father for. But I also know there's some in this room that based on your life circumstances, you never got to use the word father. Or maybe your father passed away years ago and you've never been able to say, you've never, bring, you've never been able to bring yourself to say those words in a long time. Give yourself permission to remind yourself that God is your perfect father who will never leave you, who is always there every step of the way. He's a good father. And it's amazing that he lays all of this out and he shares this with us, but he actually puts a condition there at the end. And did you notice this? He says, but if we are to share his glory, if we're gonna share in what he's given us, the freedom, if we're gonna share in the family, we're gonna share in all this, we must also share his suffering. We must share in his suffering now. It's this idea that once you have accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God is working in you. When he's showing you the family business, what it's like to be a part of the family of God, you will be raging war against yourself. Laying, putting to death your sinful wants and desires and letting God give birth to new ones. He says, share in it. And there's gonna to be tough days that come. There's gonna be pain that you experience. But this next section is all about, even when we face pain, even when we get knocked down, even when we don't think we can get up again or that there's more to our story, this is what the Holy Spirit gives us. A purpose that cannot be ruined. The plan that God has for your life cannot be ruined. It cannot be stopped. It cannot be thwarted. I've never used the word thwarted before, but it can't be done that God has a purpose for your life. And he uses a beautiful illustration to make sense of this, all right? So keep reading in verse 18. It says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. 
For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. But we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as adopted children. There's more to this, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved, the day you were saved. Because if you already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. What Paul's pointing to here is, hey, suffering is going to come, even those that have the Holy Spirit within you. But everything that we face, the pain that we go through, it's pain with a purpose. It's pain that is producing something. It's pain that is giving life to something else. And the illustration that he uses here is that of childbirth, right? Now, I've never given birth to a child myself, clearly. Um, but I've been about as close as you can get, all right? I've been in the room three different times. Uh, twice went great. The middle time, it didn't. It didn't go so great for me. My wife did great. Um, she really held in there. But... Uh, I'm in there, and if you've ever been there, there's a lot going on. There's some groaning, there's some yelling, there's some pushing, and, but we're all in it together, right? The doctors are down there, I'm up top, coaching, doing my thing, Ted Lasso at his best, Mr. Positivity, we're gonna be all right. No, it's good, yeah. And everything was going until it wasn't, right? I'm standing there, I'm standing there, until I'm not standing there. <laughs> I might have passed out, all right? I passed out um, and I didn't just pass out. Like I fell backwards through the table, knocked everything off. I'm laying on the ground cold. If you wonder, hey, I wonder what the doctors do when that happens to a dad. They do nothing. <laughs> no one moves, no one flinches. They just keep doing what they're there to do. You <laughs> and I don't realize it until I come to that I've even passed out, right? So I come to and all I hear is the doctor in a very calm voice just saying over and over again, hey, dad down, dad down. We got a dad down in here. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed that I go to just jump up and to pretend like, what are you talking about? I didn't fall down. <laughs> my mind has come back. My body has not come back yet. So I go to pop up but my neck is stuck, this is all I can move. And I'm just squirming back and forth on the table, or I'm on the floor. And I finally get up and I get there just after our son comes into the world. But what Paul says, <laughs> I never, I didn't want to tell my family when that happened. If you want to know the power of Jesus, I'm sharing it with thousands of people today, the most embarrassing moment of my life. And to prove how horrible men are that they will even make a day like childbirth about themselves. Um, I'm the worst. But childbirth has to be one of the most painful experiences on the planet. Yet on most days, I think most moms would say, hey, it was worth it. It changed me. 
It changed my body. It changed my bladder. It changed my skin. It changed me, every part of me from the inside out. And it was painful and I suffered, but it brought life and it brought love and it was worth it. Paul says to think about, come on. Paul says to think about creation in the same way, because here's the truth. Creation is giving birth to a new version of itself. Do you ever think about it this way? That it says in Romans 8 that all of it was subjected to the curse. All of it is in pain. All of it is changing. But God has a plan for creation. That it's actually giving birth to a new version of itself. That the plan, the purpose that God has for all of it is that he's dealing with it day in and day out. And there will come a day where there is a new heaven and a new earth and we have new bodies and everything is made right. But in the meantime, creation is giving birth to a new version of itself. And I want you to hear that. The same is being said about you. So maybe you can give yourself a little bit of credit and take it easy on yourself knowing that God is birthing something new in you in this season and for every day that you're here. And this isn't something we fear. This is something that we long for. Like, did you hear that? Like, it, he not only set it up in a way that we're going to experience suffering, but he gives us this picture of, of, of a, a woman giving birth. But he actually says this is something that we long for. And I think we can see that too. Like, have you ever met a woman who was like 39 and a half weeks pregnant? She is longing for the day to give birth to this baby. And it starts pretty normal. Like, they, women will do some things to get the baby out. Like, like it starts with, hey, I'm just going to go for a walk around the neighborhood. I'm just gonna try to jumpstart some stuff going on here. That's fine, that's normal. And then they, it's like, hey, can I get a bouncy ball? I'm gonna start bouncing on some stuff. I'm like, I don't know if that's scientific, but hey, maybe it is. Um, it gets weird when they start Googling stuff to ingest. Like, hey babe, do we have any hot sauce? I'm like, yeah, why? Cause I'm gonna drink it. You're just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> but you get this picture of they are longing for that day. They, they are looking forward to it. They will do anything for it to get there and to get there right now. Paul says that that is the way that we should be living. And while we're living that, while we're waiting, going through that suffering, we wait confidently and we impatiently because the Holy Spirit is with us in our waiting. I love the way this builds. I'm telling you, it is a masterpiece of what Paul put together here. Look at this. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's will. So this is this, what Paul's saying is that the Holy Spirit teaches us the language of prayer. The Holy Spirit actually joins in on. It says all of creation is groaning. God himself in his spirit is groaning as well, praying for us, even when we don't have the words to say, even when we pray the wrong things, the spirit of God is still praying on our behalf, the right ones. I mean, can you relate? Like you ever go into prayer and you're like, I don't even know what to pray about. Like, is this even sinful to ask for? Is this, is this selfish? What is truly from God? How can I know the difference? Because we don't know the language of prayer like the Spirit does. Like, have you ever been in a situation where 
you and someone else really were just on different pages. Maybe it felt like you were speaking different languages or maybe you really were speaking different languages. I know for me over the summer, uh, I was on a flight back from Texas to Indy and I'm about to board the plane and this lady sits next to me, very sweet woman, uh, but she only speaks Spanish and I barely speak English, okay? So we're in quite the pickle. But she's trying to make sure that she's in the right place, she's boarding the right plane and come to find out, yeah, she is, she's in the right spot. We're actually on the same plane together. And she actually has a physical disability as well. So uh, I grab her bag and I kind of help her get onto the plane. And it just keeps on going. We're not only on the same plane together, we're actually sitting right next to each other on the plane. So we get in there, she gets into her seat, I take her luggage and I put it into the overhead bin above. We sit down, we take off from Texas to Indy. And as we're about to land, I want to help her out again. I wanna make sure that I can grab her bag for her, but I think that her luggage is red. That's all that I can remember. I think it's red, but I don't wanna just start opening the compartment and grabbing people's luggage. If you learn anything from YouTube, you get punched in the back of the head for doing stuff like that. (laughs) So I gotta ask her, the problem is, I don't know the word for luggage, bag, really anything. Um, The only word that I do know is red. Rojo. So I turn to her, I tap her on the shoulder and I look at her and I say, Rojo. Rojo. It's Rojo. She's terrified at this point. Um, I don't know if she thinks like blood is going to fall from the, she's like looking up, like, what do you, what, what am I missing? Luckily, There was a woman who was sitting uh, by the window who spoke both English and Spanish. And she leaned over and she kindly translated Rojo to, hey, he wants to know if your luggage is red, he would like to grab it for you. She smiled, thumbs up, we moved forward with the thing. But what the Holy Spirit does in these moments of prayer is that when we don't even know what to pray for, it says that the Spirit of God is always at work praying. But he's praying for something very specific. And maybe it's a prayer that misses a lot of our prayers, but it doesn't miss the connection between the Holy Spirit and God, our Father. And here's verse 28. This is what they're praying about. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now that sounds amazing, doesn't it? that we know that God causes everything to work together for the good. The problem is, who defines good? Is God answering the good for my life and, and the good for, for your life? What, what if the good for your life is different than the good that's for my life? Like what, what does that even look like? Because a lot of times we fill in the blank for what is good. God is working for my promotion. God is working for me to to stand out in my class, to, 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 to look a little bit cooler. God is working for me to be a little bit more popular. God is working for me to get the starting spot. God is working for me to get the first chair. God's working on my money. I mean, what good is he working for though? What I love about the Bible is that it answers the questions that it puts up there. And you can't read verse 28 without reading verse 29. Take a look at this. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the first born among many brothers and sisters. 
So when we talk about the good, what, what the spirit of God is praying for, what he's aligning to the will of God, it's with this. When God's good is what is best to form us into the likeness of Christ. What is best to form us into the likeness of Christ? That's what the Holy Spirit is praying on our behalf. Because here's the truth. Sin not only separated us from God, sin has deformed us. And maybe that feels like strong language to you. Like, I don't even know if that, I don't know. I don't know if I can go that far. Well, the Bible does. That God created all things and they were good and they were perfect until sin came in and corrupted us. Now, all of our desires, all of our wants, everything is all mixed up. That's why we need a series like Recalibrate. I mean, that's what Romans has been talking about. It's, it's not even that we don't do what we want to do. It's that we do what even we hate. There is something internally wrong with us that we have been deformed by sin. But God is saying, hey, by his spirit, by the power, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, God is actually forming us into the likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. God is forming us into his image. And we want God to change our circumstances. We want God to change what's going on around us. But God is focused on you. God loves you. God bought you at a very high price. And what he wants to do is change you. Following Jesus isn't about getting the longest streak of good days or avoiding pain. It's about realizing that the good and the bad are working together. And here's what that means. Good circumstances can be terrible for you. Notice the quotations. Bad circumstances can be wonderful for you in the kingdom of God. It is an upside down kingdom. And if you're looking at God to only bring you good things or to avoid the bad things, you're missing out what he's trying to do. And I think we know this to some level, right? Like, have you ever met someone that said, hey, when I lost my job, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. When I got sick, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. It was actually freeing. And have you ever heard it on the flip side? Have you ever met someone, a man or a woman who gave their whole lives working towards one thing and they rolled over and they threw out everything else to get this one thing and they finally got it? And what they say is the worst thing that ever happened to me or it wasn't what I thought it would be. No, in the kingdom of God, God's saying, hey, I'm gonna cause all things to work together, that there's gonna be an opportunity for me to form you into the likeness of my son if you share in this suffering, if you follow the prompts that I give you. I love the way John Newton said it. He said, everything is necessary that he, God sends. Nothing can be necessary that he withholds. Or maybe if that doesn't hit it for you, maybe you like the way Kanye said it, that everything I'm not made me everything I am. Not Kanye fans in this service either, okay? I went for it. The first service, I was like, you know, maybe they're just a little bit older. Um, it was from the first album. I thought it was fine. We're going to skip past that, though. Um, <laughs> but I think this one goes back to prayer as well. Like most of us, think back to your prayers. We pray for good things, right? What we think are going to be good for us and the people that we love. I mean, I don't, I don't think we're out here praying about bad things. Maybe you are, you weirdos. Like you're just like praying... <laughs> God, give me some bad stuff. Um, but what he's saying is that 
if we can line up with what the Spirit deems good, then we are going to be on the right page. And this is what really convicted me, um, just, just a few questions. And the way this works is, you know, when I'm studying, I get convicted, so then I get to share it with you. And uh, hopefully God gets to do the same thing with you as well. But I had this conviction as I was looking at my prayers and my prayer lives. If all of your prayers from this week were answered, would you look more like Jesus? If all of your prayers were answered, would you look more like Jesus? Or would you just look like a kid with a blank check who just got everything he ever wanted? Because none of those things will satisfy. We might receive some of those, but those are never gonna be the ultimate things. But what the Spirit of God is trying to do in us, we wanna look more like Jesus. And here's another one. Would the people around you look more like Jesus? If all of your prayers were answered, and I'm not saying we shouldn't pray for our friends and our family and pray good things for them, but the ultimate prayer should be for them to become like Jesus, to know Jesus. And if we're praying that prayer, um, I believe that is one that God answers and one that will bring change. So I even just started, I wanna start the prayer for you this week. I wanna give you a heading and you can fill in the space underneath it, but here's what a prayer could look like. Father, by the power of your spirit, form me into the likeness of Jesus, your son. Father, I'm recognizing who he is, that he's not just a God, but he's, he's my father. By the power of your spirit, by the power within me, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, form me into the likeness of Jesus, your son. Because if God is doing that in our lives, then we will show up for those around us that we will become like Jesus, they will be drawn to that. And then those prayers will be answered maybe even through us, how God is using us. But that's the prayer this week, to wrestle with that idea, look back on last week and say, if all my prayers were answered, would I look more like Jesus? But this week, make it a plan to make all of your prayers, ask the question, God, can you help me and form me into the image of Jesus? So here we are with condemnation dealt with, no obligation to do what our sinful nature desires, we're back on this, that this is what the Holy Spirit gives us, a position that cannot be removed. We are family, God's chosen, adopted, loved children. That's, that's who you are. Never accept anything else other than that title a purpose that cannot be ruined. That no matter what you've faced, what you've gone through, you can know that God is working together all things for the good of those who love him. Being formed into the image of Jesus and nothing can stop that process from happening. That you are giving birth to a new version of yourself. And then finally, there's a power because of what the Holy Spirit gives us that cannot be rivaled. It's the same power, the one that rose Jesus from the grave, the one that lives inside of you. That can all be yours. Like this is who I wanna speak to right now. For all of those who don't belong to Jesus Christ, it is not because of anything that you have done in your past. It's because of something you haven't received. It's not a matter of doing or cleaning up your act. It's actually a moment of surrender. 
Because you see all of those things that God promises and all those things that God has for him, those are for us who have believed, those who have faith, placed our faith in Jesus Christ. And that is something that you can accept today, that you can walk out of here today with a position that cannot be removed. No matter what you came in here believing about yourself, you can leave knowing that you are a son of God, that you are a daughter of God. That is what the spirit of God brings you. That you can go out of here today knowing that maybe your life has been so gray and there's been so much that you didn't understand and why did this happen? Is there a purpose to all of it? You can walk out of here and know that nothing is wasted. That there is a good father who is molding all things together for my good to form me into the likeness of his son. That you can know that there is a power and it's a power greater than anything you've ever experienced before. And it's a power that God will place within you that nothing can rival, nothing you will ever face. And here's what that power does. It grabs onto you, that God grabs onto you and holds you. And what we're gonna look at at the end of chapter eight is this fact that the power of the Holy Spirit will not let us go. That there is no condemnation, there's no obligation and there's no separation from the love that God has for his sons and daughters. So what I wanna do is just ask everyone to stand up at all of our campuses, watching online, if you can stand up, if you're driving, please don't. Like, I don't wanna get that email this week, but you said. I want us to look at the way Paul ends it here. Romans 8. This is the power that cannot be rivaled. And as we stand in this moment of surrender, I just wanna ask you if you just, just to put your hands out and open. In a moment of receiving all that God has for you and letting go of all the things that are trying to keep you from him. I wanna read this over you. It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us, and he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? This part's for us. Does it mean he no longer loves us if, he, if we have trouble or calamity or persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. 
No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This is a moment of response. And we have people in every room at our campuses that are there to meet with you and to pray with you, to receive you in everything that you're going through. For those online, just follow the prompts on the screen. But what I wanna do in this moment is to pray for us, to pray all of those things over us before we go from here so that we can come to know this Father of ours and that we can come to be formed into his image and live a life knowing with confidence, waiting patiently for all that he has for us. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you. God, we thank you for this moment. God, we thank you for your scripture. We thank you for the pictures that you've painted of all that we can have because of all that you have done. God, don't let us get in the way of that. Don't let us get caught up in our feelings or believing things that are not true. In the name of Jesus, there is no condemnation for those who believe in you. None. God, that we have a purpose that has been placed on our lives. God, you have a plan for us and you have a power that you've decided to give to us, that you've decided to place within us the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, lives within us. So God, what we wanna create right here in this moment of surrender is a time to respond. God, I pray that we would give room for everyone at the campuses, everyone watching online to have a space to talk to their father, maybe to talk to their father for the first time. For them to know that they are loved and adopted. God, let them receive that in this moment. Let them ask big things, intimate things, the biggest things. God, we pray that right now in this space, in this moment of quiet, we respond. pray this was a moment where people place their faith in you. God, I pray this is a moment where condemnation was dealt with, guilt was dealt with, where chains have fallen. God, I pray this is a moment where people moved into a position that can never be removed. God, I pray now in this moment we have sons and daughters among us that were not here before. 
God, we celebrate all that you have done today in your name. And now, as we worship you, God, we just wanna make room. We wanna continue to allow you to form us. We wanna die to ourselves and for you to give birth through your spirit into a new version. God, allow us to do that. Break us up, lead us in this moment, Jesus. It's in your perfect name we pray, amen.